0: Fresh manna fell to the ground as a gift from God while the Israelites were in the wilderness. This is what they ate for 40 years. It was fresh from the ovens of heaven, baked by the master baker himself. How the Israelites must have anticipated the taste and smell of each morning's delivery. Just like the Israelites, you too can now experience the taste and smell of fresh manna. Today, you will be listening to Jermaine Gale, pastor of the East Lansing University and Lansing Spanish Seventh-day Adventist churches. And now, here's Pastor Jermaine.
1: Let's pray. Lord, this time is yours, and now we come before you hungering and thirsting for your words of life to us. We pray there, Father, that you may guide us, teach us, Encourage our hearts is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Sermon title, Enough Trouble. I don't know about you, but living on this earth, it will not take you long before you start experiencing some kind of trouble. This world is full of trouble. Every single day, there is enough trouble to go around. Have you ever felt like when you talk to someone and share your troubles with them, that you're burdening them? and then you almost catch yourself, and sometimes it's expressed this way, I don't want to burden you with my troubles. I know you already have troubles of your own. It seems like we all recognize that there's trouble in the world. We all experience it. From Matthew chapter 5, all the way to the end of Matthew chapter 7, our Lord kept the multitudes spellbound by His oratory and authority. His words in their minds were like, Water running through a dry desert, reclaiming the channels in which it ran long, a long time ago. Truth is, we were all made for eternity, but sin landed us in a world of trouble. So we're here. And it was to this world that our Lord came in order to teach us a better way of living. And I just love that He came. Otherwise, we would be in way more trouble. But can you imagine for a moment what it might have looked like as Jesus sat on the mount, that little hillside in Galilee, teaching the sermon on the mount? Can you imagine his hand gestures when he spoke the words of that great dissertation, that great sermon? Can you see the look in his eyes in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3? When he said the words, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine his tone of voice when he said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted? Can you see him resting his hand on someone's shoulder as he said, You are the salt of the earth? Can you see for a moment the passion in Jesus's demeanor when he Mentions in Matthew 5, 23-24, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar. Go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come offer your gift. Can you see him preaching that sermon? The contents of the Sermon on the Mount that span of time between when Jesus sat down in Matthew 5, 1. Let's turn to Matthew 5. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, we see Matthew describing the event with a lot of details. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, we read, And seeing the multitudes, he, meaning Jesus, went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then, verse 2, he opened his mouth and taught them saying. This speech would not end until about Matthew chapter 8. Jesus had a lot to say to his people. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, when Jesus finally ended the Sermon on the Mount, we read here, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. That's how powerful the sermon was. Jesus had finished His sermon, and the multitude decided, you know what? Let's change our plans. Let's change our schedules. From now on, we'll follow Him. Such a sermon. It had an impact on the multitude, one which led the multitude from the hillside of Galilee to following our Lord to His next appointment. What was it about the Sermon on the Mount that made such an impact? What was it about the sermon that caused the multitude to change their schedules and their plans, to do nothing else but follow Jesus, making Him their singular aim. The day the multitude arrived, I believe that Jesus saw the worn out. He saw the burnt out. He saw the overworked, the overrun. Jesus saw church folks who had stopped praying because of their problems He saw backsliders who were no longer faithful because of some issue they were facing. He saw the weary pilgrims striving, but yet still overly anxious. Jesus saw the needs of the heart in that multitude. In their faces, he saw failed relationships, troubled home circumstances. He was just waiting for them to come. And so, almost like what happens when A good friend hears you out, sees it on your face, and says, let's sit down and have a talk. Jesus sits down, and he begins counseling the multitude. There's a lot to be said about Matthew chapter 5 all the way to Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount. And many have preached on this subject. There's one thing I want you to see today from this sermon. Matthew chapter 6, the latter verses, verses 31 all the way to verse 34, our scripture reading. There Jesus, as he's giving the Sermon on the Mount, he now gets to a point in his sermon where he starts discussing some issues of the heart, worries, and concern. This morning when I walked in here for some reason, well, no, I was really praying and asking the Lord to confirm that this was the sermon to be preached. Not that I... Obviously, was praying about it. Then in Sabbath school, I heard the word worry. Then, the prayers, I heard the word worry. A conversation I had, I heard the word worry. And this week, I thought about myself worrying. And so here it is that God is using a warrior to preach about worries. <laughs> and so friends, it is confirmed, it is true. We are all worriers. We are all impacted by our cares and our concerns, the things that bother us and disturb our peace. Jesus says in verse 31 of Matthew chapter 6, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Verse 34, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There is enough trouble in a day. Jesus all the way from verse 25 to verse 34, repeats the phrase, take no thought or do not worry. All of a sudden in his sermon, he shifts gears and he gets to this point where he now addresses the multitude by saying, do not worry. Don't be anxious about anything. Do not worry. He spends his time here because he knows that our lives are made up of worry. He knows that we worry from day to day about different matters. We worry about our lives. We worry about our provisions. He says, who by worrying can add a cubit to his height? A cubit is about 18 inches. Can you imagine if this were possible? There would be a lot of tall people in church. We might not even be able to make our way through the doors. friends. Jesus knows what it's like. He understands the problems we face, the challenges we face, and he knows that we tend to worry. There is no doubt in my mind that many of us, if this were true, if it were possible, would be very tall today because of our worry. Life, I believe, is a buffet of anxious thoughts. You know what it's like when you go to a buffet, you don't even know what to choose. The options are so many. And life is like that. Can you imagine, for example, something happens to you, and all of a sudden your mind starts racing. Has that ever happened to you, or is it only me? All of a sudden your mind spreads the table, and there are many options from which you can choose. What will you dwell on today? What is it you would like to chew on from this experience? The car breaks down. What else would you like to think about? And all of a sudden, your mind just spreads this table before you and gives you all these options, and all the options are bad. Has that ever dawned on you? It's Like how our minds work. You know, you come to church and someone doesn't smile, as they usually do, and immediately your mind spreads the table in front of you. You know what? Option number one, they don't like you. Option number two, you know what? It's quite possible that you're just not a likable person. Our minds spread the table so broad, and then we choose. Sometimes we partake of multiple dishes. (laughs) We say, you know what? I'm going to go at option number one, option number two, three, four, five. And we get anxious, weighed down by our worries and days to come. We talk to the individual, and they say, you know what, I was just having a bad day. And you're like, all this week I've been eating on my worries, (laughs) feasting on my worries, and finally the truth comes to light. It was not what I thought. Life is a banquet of anxious thoughts. When we're at camp meeting, to give you an example, Ellie and I, you know, and I feel Bad every time I mention the house, but for some reason, that's the season we're in now. We're working on this house. We're still working on this house. Maybe in years to come, you'll hear me stop saying the house. (laughs) But we are working on the house. We worked on the house all the way up to camp meeting. And we drove our Prius up to camp meeting, and the moment we arrived, the car starts making sound. Apparently, the brakes had frozen on the rear brakes on the right-hand side of the car. And the first day of camp meeting, we were driving the Prius. This silent Prius started making noises. And everywhere we went, there was this high-pitched, wearing sound going down the road. And immediately my mind set the banquet before me. Everyone is going to know you guys as the loud people at camp meeting. Every single time I sat in the car, my mind would set the banquet. You guys are now famous. And eventually... It was confirmed, someone said to me, we could tell you were coming <laughs> from a distance. So the whole time we're driving the Prius, we are wondering and the mind often you know went to other things like what else is wrong with the car? Is it gonna break down? Are we gonna get stuck? Should we come up with a contingency plan? And I was worrying myself into a fit. Worry. Another example, the day that I, because you know, like, trouble always shows up when you least expect it. things never really work out the way you plan. I had written it down, all the details of what was going to happen when I was going to propose to Allie. We were going to go to this beautiful place, Longwood Gardens in Pennsylvania. And for some reason, I didn't think about food. There was this nice restaurant there, I thought, this would be perfect. It's a fancy restaurant, a little bit nicer food. And so I remember having my little box with my special thing that I was going to get down on one knee and say, will you marry me? And I remember we sat down to eat. Paid. I think it was, I forgot how expensive, the food was expensive, I remember. And when it finally came, it was a big plate, a tiny little thing in the center. And then when we took a bite, it just wasn't good. And my mind set the table before me. She is not going to marry you. <laughs> like this day is turning out to be a horrible day. Just call it off. Maybe do it another time. That's how the mind works. We always set these things before us. We always worry about this or that. And Jesus knows, and therefore he says, do not worry. The King James Version renders the text, verse 34, take no thought for tomorrow. In other words, when your mind sets the banquet before you, decline to partake. Don't take a thought off the table. Sometimes if we take that counsel, our lives would be far better. Because really we worry in the extremes and the things we normally go to are not, never good. I can't think of a time where i have worried myself into a good scenario. And so Jesus understands that sometimes we travel through the rough waters of misunderstanding. He knows that the workplace can be crazy, school, marriage, all of these things. And he says, do not worry. David says in Psalm 73, verse 21, Thus my heart was grieved, and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant, I was like a beast before you. Worrying actually makes us like animals. In one sense, the way that you can describe or the way that you can identify whether I'm worried or not is how I respond. Sometimes when I'm worried, I get grumpy. And friends, David is looking at the situation, looking at his own life, and he's like, you know, when my heart is grieved and I'm vexed in my mind, it's almost as if I become foolish, and then what eventually happens is almost like I become a beast before my God. Losing a part of his humanity. When worry consumes the mind, it can make us monsters in our own homes, monsters in our church, in the workplace, and so on. But can you imagine if Jesus were sitting beside you? Let's say today that he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount to you. How would his words fit within the framework of your life? David says in Psalm 94, verses 17 through 19, Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would have settled in silence. If I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up in the multitude of my anxieties within me. Your comforts delight my soul. The Bible is full of anxious people. When you read many of the biblical stories, you can tell that there are moments of anxiety. There are countless times when we feel anxieties multiplying as we partake of this banquet of anxious thoughts. One thing materializes and morphs into another, and the heart gets overwhelmed. And in these moments, there's that still small voice saying, take no thought for tomorrow. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has its own things to worry about. Sufficient." For the day is its own trouble. The true meaning of the text that Jesus is here outlining is regarding the distracting nature of worry. You see, worry is distracting. It removes from the mind its regular focus, its singular focus. And So Jesus is saying, do not let worry distract you from the duties of today, because when tomorrow comes, there is more to worry about. Every day comes with enough trouble. Whether great or small, every day has something in it to cause some disturbance. And so Jesus, with his understanding, he is not blasting worry. He is essentially encouraging us to take the better step, the best way forward, dealing with our worries. Because he knows that we worry a lot. Jesus is simply saying, don't hoard your troubles. And we're good at that. We are experts at hoarding our troubles. Can you imagine if there was a house where you put all your troubles, how full it would be? One room with the door, with a marker on the door, this is all my family troubles." Don't open the door because when you do, things might come out at you. One room, this is everything that has to do with work. Another room, this is everything that has to do with my own faith. Sometimes, even in our Christianity, even in our faith in Jesus, we worry ourselves out of the kingdom of God. And so, just like, don't hoard your problems. When you hoard your worries, your life becomes continually filled with distractions, and you inevitably become incapable of seeking his kingdom first. The things you worry about are nothing for God to do. Let's say, for example, finances. There's a text that reminds us that he owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. Can God provide? Yes, he can. Our Lord, who hung the worlds in space by the breath of his mouth, And put your fallen world back together. Your worries are nothing that he cannot handle. So he says, don't let them distract you. I love what Jesus is saying because Jesus is essentially saying, give them to me and I will deal with them. You just look to me. That's your sole responsibility. Friends, I believe that Satan is a trafficker of troubles. He loves to disturb our peace. Peter, in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Have you ever thought about the text before that? The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. In other words, Peter is setting before you the situation that often arises. When we don't throw our cares God's direction, Satan uses them against us. And he is good at it. Don't hold on to your cares for too long, because the devil wants to use them against you. He wants to use them to distract you, to pull you down, pull you out of the kingdom. So, Jesus says, Watch out for those anxious thoughts because they have a deadly potential. Its work is ever so slow and subtle. Our worries are the thorns that choke the word of faith in our lives, and it doesn't all happen in an instant. So, what is the alternative? What is the answer? What is the better way to live? Well, first of all, Matthew chapter 6, verse 32 Jesus says, Your heavenly Father, knows that you need all these things. The things that you worry about, God knows you need them. He is the one who can provide. He is the one that nothing is impossible for him. And he knows you need those things. So Jesus says, when worry comes in, remind yourself that you have a father who knows what's happening. I praise our Lord that he's a God who sees That he's a God who understands the issues. He knows what's going on. Live your life based upon what God knows you need. God is more willing to provide for your needs than you realize. He who cares about the birds cares about you. Martin Luther once told a story about his favorite preacher. His words, I have one preacher I love better than any other. It is my little tame robin who preaches to me daily. I put his crumbs on my windowsill, especially at night. This little robin hops onto the sill when he wants his supply and takes as much as he desires to satisfy his needs. From thence, he always hops to a little tree close by and lifts up his voice to God and sings his carol of praise and gratitude. Then he tucks his head under his wings and goes fast to sleep to leave tomorrow to look after itself. That's Martin Luther's favorite preacher, a robin. If you are ever unsure as to whether God knows what you need and that he cares about the things that concern you, look at that preacher, the birds. Look at the lilies and how they grow. God gives such careful attention to these things, which often die without us even being aware. So He knows how to provide for you. And So in the morning when you rise, give Him your worries for that day and have Him take care of them. He's a responsible God. He's not a God who cannot see. He knows what unsettles the mind. Jesus knows the things that disturb our thoughts and rob our peace. Jesus even hears the grumpy prayers we pray. And I praise God for that. Here's the second thought. Take no thought. In other words, you and I have a choice in the matter. Our minds will present before us that buffet a series of thoughts on any given situation. Our minds will tell us, you know what, so-and-so didn't smile at you today, like I said before, because you are not a likable person. Our minds will go down those channels and we can say, you know what, I don't want any of what you're providing right now. I do not want to chew on that. Instead, I will dwell on something else. Let the mind dwell on the precious promises of God. For He knows what you need. He knows what you need. His word is capable of restoring those thoughts. His word is capable of giving you that peace that you're lacking. But Most importantly, the last thought. Seek first the kingdom of God. The word seek here doesn't mean to look for. It simply means to plan accordingly. Structure your lives according to His kingdom. Don't just look for God's kingdom. Plan your life according to what He desires. This is a way out of worry. The word seek reminds us that we ought to plan our lives around His kingdom. Never forget, in other words, your destination and plan properly for the trip. If heaven is the place that you're destined to go, then utilize all the tools that God provides for you so that you can live a happy life here. Our Father, when Jesus spoke of our prayers in Matthew chapter 6, he said, in this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. To these anxious people, he reminded them, you have a Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Concern yourselves with his kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our weekly bread. Is that what it says? Our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory. Amen. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus was overthrowing a thought that the rabbis had. Their way of dealing with worry came within the sentiments of these words. Everyone was what they taught. Everyone who has a loaf in his basket and says, What shall I eat tomorrow is one of little faith. Notice what the rabbis taught. If you already have a loaf in your basket and you worry about tomorrow, you don't have faith. They don't really think about or teach how we should conduct ourselves when the basket is empty. And so Jesus provides for that. Jesus is saying, even when the basket is empty, don't worry about tomorrow. Because there's a God who can provide. There's a God who pays close attention to every single thing you're facing, every single thing you're feeling. There's a God who can provide the bread that you don't have today. And he knows how to work miracles. It is not surprising then that Jesus fed the multitudes with bread. Those who were worried about their meal, those who were worried about their food, even though they had no plans, Even though they had no provisions, all there was was a little boy, five loaves, and two fish. And our Lord provided for the multitudes. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. The Bible says at a time of celebration, when there is much to be worried about, Nehemiah encouraged the people of God. And he said to them, go your way. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Can you imagine if we view this day as holy to our Lord? Can you imagine if we live each day, considering that each day belongs to our Lord? Nehemiah goes further, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. We can be happy in Christ. We don't always have to live our lives feasting on the anxious thoughts that are given to us each day. We can allow ourselves by the power of God, to experience the joy that he provides. So, in his words, as we close, take no thought for tomorrow. There's enough trouble. There's enough trouble in today. Do not hoard your troubles by compacting your situation with the things in the future. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know what? He is in tomorrow already. He knows what tomorrow will bring. And he already has a plan. So no need to worry about tomorrow. I don't know about you, but this is a moment for us to also give him our anxieties today and our worries about tomorrow. And I want to invite you to stand with me and pray as we surrender the things that are bothering us. Because Jesus is ready to give freedom to multitudes today as He gave freedom to the multitudes of yesterday. Let us pray. Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. We pray that your kingdom will be a reality in our lives and that your will be done in our lives here as it is being done in heaven. Father, today is one day and you have been so gracious enough to give us today. But often our todays are troubled by the worries and cares that we have about our tomorrow. Father, we want to take you at your word. And so today, those anxious thoughts, we want to surrender to you. Asking you, dear Lord, to work on tomorrow. And we will wait upon you. We pray there, Father, that you may give us precious victories in our lives. These anxious thoughts that plague us, that we've been so accustomed to running to. We pray, Lord, that you may give us the joy of the Lord so that we may be strong enough to say, you know what? I'm not going to dwell on that today. Help us to think and focus on our present duties and help us to seek first your kingdom is our prayer. In Jesus' name, let everyone say, Amen. Amen.
0: You have been listening to Jermaine Gale, pastor of the East Lansing University and Lansing Spanish Seventh-day Adventist churches. If you enjoyed this sermon, Why not visit one of his churches this coming Sabbath or a church near you listed on strongtowerradio.org. You will find the East Lansing University Church at 504 Ann Street in East Lansing, Michigan, and their church service begins at 1120 a.m. Or visit the Lansing Spanish Church located at 111 North Magnolia Avenue in Lansing, Michigan, and their church service begins at 1130 a.m. This program is a Strong Tower Radio production.